As Americans, we like choice. We want to choose what we do, how we do it, and when we do it. Included in all of this is education. When it comes to college, we want to choose what to study and who's going to teach us. But as we'll see in today's gospel lesson, Jesus bucks this tradition. He doesn't let Simon, Andrew, James, or John choose him. Instead, he chooses them. In today's episode, we'll see how Jesus' calling of his disciples is also a journey into death and exile. We'll see how the calling of the disciples is best represented, not by an image of fishermen in a boat responding to Jesus, but by the descent into Hades' icon. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Let us be attentive. Walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Rocky, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, as they were fishermen. And he said to them, Come, follow me, and I'll turn you into fishers for human beings. And right away they left their nets and followed after him. And walking on from there, he saw two other brothers, Jacob, the son of Zebedee, and Ioannis, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, putting their nets in order, and he called them. And right away they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he traveled around the whole of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and debility among the people. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. That was Matthew four eighteen through 23 As I write this podcast, the news is reporting a landmark case of the Supreme Court. Just today, an hour ago from the time of me composing this, the Supreme Court struck down a Maine tuition program that did not allow public funds to go to private schools that promote religious instruction. Apparently, what had happened was that Maine was trying to address the needs of the rural population where there wasn't enough people to support a secondary school. In these situations, Maine permitted parents to send their kids to nearby schools, or the state would give money to parents so they could enroll their children in private schools. However, the state of Maine would only pay tuition money to parents if the private schools did not promote faith or a belief system. In other words, parents couldn't use this program to send their kids to Christian schools. However, some parents didn't agree with this program. They thought that they should be able to use money from this program to send kids to religious schools. So, this law was challenged. And the challenge went all the way to the Supreme Court, which, as I said, decided that Maine could not restrict their funds to only certain private schools. If they were going to pay tuition money to parents in rural areas to send kids to other schools, 
including private schools, then religious schools couldn't be accepted. Now, I don't really care if you agree with the law, or if you agree with the Supreme Court, or if you could care less. I started this episode using this case to point out that we in America have a system in place where the students, or the parents, decide who they want to educate them. We decide between public schools or private schools. And when it comes to college, the world is our limit. We choose where we want to go to college, and assuming we pass the entrance requirements and we're able to secure loans for tuition, we're typically able to attend the school of our choice. I myself left my home state of Iowa to be educated in Minnesota because I wanted to study in the classical and Near Eastern Studies Department at the University of Minnesota. This department was unlike any other department in the country. CNES, as we called it, brought together professors from all the key disciplines, religion, history, literature, language, art history, and archaeology, that studied the people of the Mediterranean from the Bronze Age to late antiquity. Most schools didn't do this. To get this sort of education at another school, you would have to go between departments, but not at the U of M. When it came time for grad school, the advice I was regularly given was to find a professor that I wanted to study under. In other words, find a teacher who is researching what you were interested in and then apply to that school. In other words, the student searches out the teacher. This is also how it worked at the time of Jesus. The student would search out the rabbi they wanted to study under. In fact, the Mishnah, which is a collection of Jewish oral traditions from the time of Jesus and later, says, Joshua ben Perachiah and Natai the Arbalite received the oral tradition from them. Joshua ben Perariah used to say, Appoint for thyself a teacher, and acquire for thyself a companion and judge, all men with a scale weighted in his favor. Additionally, it was quite common for students to switch rabbis. If they felt that they had learned all that they could learn from one teacher, they could move on to another one. That may sound like disloyalty to us. Where's the loyalty to your teacher? But, In the first century, the student's loyalty was to the law, God's instruction, not the person teaching you the law. Since this was the system in place at the time of Jesus, it means that an instructor would have to wait for students to come knocking on his door. He didn't go out recruiting them. I highly doubt the rabbis held their breath hoping that they would be in the top ten list in the U.S. News Best Colleges rankings. I can just see it now. The school of Gamaliel ranked at number one for the year 24 AD. Anyway, as we consider how the ancient world works, today's gospel passage should strike us as incredibly strange. Jesus, as you know, was a rabbi, a teacher. Yet, here's a rabbi that's out recruiting students. He sees Simon and Andrew and says, Come, follow me. Then he sees James and John and repeats this command, Come, follow me. This rabbi is bucking tradition. 
David Garland, in his commentary on Matthew, emphasizes Jesus' strange behavior by writing, By contrast, Jesus does not wait for volunteers, but selects his own disciples and confronts them with an unconditional demand. He requires absolute allegiance to himself, not merely respectful service. He does not call them to be his apprentices in the intellectual probing of Torah or to rehearse venerable religious traditions. Jesus speaks with authority. He teaches like any other rabbi, and he recruits unlike any other rabbi. Interestingly, Jesus' recruiting practices is also what he teaches. As he comes across Peter and Andrew, he sees that they are fishermen, So he tells them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. He's teaching them to go and to do as he's doing. Don't just sit waiting for people to come to you. No, instead, go out to the people and teach them. And tell them to go out and teach more people. And those people are to go out and teach even more. So we've established that what Jesus is doing is odd. It's out of the ordinary and unconventional. But why? What exactly is going on in terms of the context? Well, this calling of the disciples is early in the gospel. Right before this, Jesus had been baptized. Then he had gone out into the desert where he had been tempted by Satan. However, after his time in the desert, when he returned to civilization, he heard that John, the very man who had baptized him, had been arrested. So Jesus withdraws again. This time, instead of going into the desert, he goes into Galilee to Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. This may sound like a mere historical detail, a here's-what-Jesus-did-next sort of statement, but I think there's theological significance here. Listen to what Matthew says about this move. Once he heard that John had been handed over, he withdrew into Galilee. Then, leaving Nazareth, he went and settled in Capernaum beside the sea, in the region of Nebulon and Naphtali, for the fulfillment of what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah when he said, The land of Zebulon and Naphtali, the road beside the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of other nations. The people sitting in darkness have seen a great light, and for those sitting in death's land in shadow, light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to proclaim this message, Change your purpose, since the kingdom of the skies has come near. It sounds to me that Matthew is trying to make a point that Jesus has symbolically moved away from his home and into a foreign land. What does this remind us of? If you're yelling, the Babylonian exile, you would be correct. When Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians, the Israelites were exiled into a foreign land. It was a punishment, so a shadow hung over them. Without the temple, they feared that God didn't dwell in their presence. It felt as if they had died. But here comes Jesus in this land of death, shouting, Change your purpose, for the kingdom of the skies has come near. Get up and follow me. In other words, God, through Jesus, has come into this land of death, and he doesn't wait for us to respond. Instead, 
He shouts to us, urging us to move away from the shadow land, away from death and destruction. This might remind you of the descent into Hades icon. In that image, Jesus grabs Adam and Eve, our first parents, and drags them out of death and into life. If you understand the calling of Simon, Andrew, James, and John as a call to leave a foreign land, to leave a world of exile, a world of death, then the descent into Hades is a visual representation of Jesus calling the disciples. But because the disciples had become fishers of people, we too are being called to change our purpose, to come and follow Jesus. Each of us, in our own way, is living in the land of death. We all have our destructive behaviors. We all have passions and desires that enslave us. Each of us struggle with life. But here, in this darkness in which we sit, there's a voice crying out. And, as the voice draws near, we begin to see a great light. This isn't just any light. It's Christ, and this light is life-giving. If we are to follow Simon and Andrew's lead, then we should immediately get up to follow Christ. We should change directions and begin to walk the way. Until next time, God bless.